0: So, excuse me, at least one more week, but we're at the tail end of this book, and I'll explain more about that in just a moment. And then, um, uh, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings, in case you don't know how to do so. Somebody go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. Go to our Give page and you can give from anywhere in the world. And also if, uh, uh, if you want to send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable at the Lighthouse Exampleship Center. And uh, on the foot of every page of our website, you can uh, find our mailing address there, okay? If you're if you're in the United States, just so you know, all of your uh, donations and contributions are tax deductible, as we are 501c3 here in the United States, okay? And so, with that said, uh, we, we're going to go ahead and jump right on into our Bible study tonight. We're in chapter 19, Life and Power, is the title of this chapter. Again, we're in the last chapter, so I'm not sure we'll finish tonight. We actually had a late start, so we apologize again for uh, that. We had just some appointments that came up and uh, important things, and so, uh, all good. Uh, but here we are, we're at a late start. We're not going to cut the Bible study short. We just had a late start, that's all. And so... Anyway, um, uh, we're talking about effortless change. Now, more specifically, we're talking about the parable of the sower. And Jesus said regarding the parable of the sower, this is a parable of all parables. If you don't can't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. <coughs> so, when talking about the parable of the sower, we have the sower sowing the seed, God's word, on four different kinds of soil. And we've been dealing with all kinds of soil, and now we're kind of we're coming to the conclusion of this parable. We're coming to the conclusion of the teaching on effortless change. And so, with that in mind, we're just gonna jump right into it. Uh, you have anything to share? No, I'm good. Okay, all right. She's gonna. She's gonna read for us, and then we'll talk about
1: it. On the same day that Jesus taught these ten parables of the kingdom, including the parable of the sower sowing the seed which emphasized the significance and power of his word, the Lord also told his disciples to get in the boat and go over to the other side. And the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Mark four thirty five to 41 Now remember, Jesus had spent the better part of this same day teaching these disciples that the word of God is like a seed. You sow this seed in your heart. The seed has the life of God in it and you don't need to go somewhere else to get that life you want a tree in your yard you don't have to go get a tree just plant a seed and that seed will turn into a tree the seed has life in itself so Jesus had been teaching these truths from a number of different angles then this that same day he said in verse 35 let us pass over onto the other side do you realize what Jesus was doing he was the word made flesh and dwelt among us John 1:14. Jesus was the incarnate Word of God. He had just been talking about the power of the Word. So what did he do? He gave them a seed. He gave them a word. Jesus said, let's pass over unto the other side. Mark four thirty-five. He didn't tell the disciples, let's get into the boat, go halfway, and then drown. Let's get in there and be overwhelmed by this storm. We're never going to make it to the other side. No, he gave them a word. This was the creator of that Sea of Galilee. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth and everything in the natural realm that was coming against them. The creator said, let's get into the boat and go to the other side. He gave them a seed. Jesus gave them a word and then proceeded to the back part of the ship and fell asleep. While he was asleep, a great wind came up. A great storm arose and the waves beat into the ships so that it was now full. You have to remember that this wasn't a huge ocean liner or even a cabin cruiser with berths below deck that were dry and warm. No, this was a little open boat. As a matter of fact, I've been out on a tour of the Sea of Galilee in what they call the Jesus boat. It wasn't the exact vessel that Jesus used, but they said it was a replica of the type of fishing boats they used at that time. We had about 30 or so people on this boat. It was all open. There was nothing below deck. If Jesus was in the back end of this boat asleep on a pillow and the boat was now full of water, that means Jesus was sloshing around in the water. He was aware of what was going on, but instead of getting up and taking care of the situation, he just stayed asleep. That's amazing.
0: Awesome, awesome. There's a lot that we can piggyback on here. So again, we're talking about the evidence change. We're talking about the parable of the sower. And in his last chapter, Andrew's talking about how the Word of God is a seed. And Jesus, when he walked on the earth, when he, and he said something, you know, he says in, John, in the book of John that the Word became flesh. So every word that Jesus said, he, Jesus even said it this way, that every, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. But we're talking about the parable of the sower. We're talking about the Word being a seed. Jesus, in context, had already talked to disciples how the Word of God is like a seed <coughs> Excuse me, in the parable of the sower. And so he had already drilled that concept into their hearts and their minds that the word of God is like a seed. And so Jesus gave them a word. And that word was, Let's go on to the other side. Let's get into the boat and go to the other side. The word that he spoke to them was a seed. He didn't say, Let's get into the boat and go halfway and drown. Let's go into let's get into the bo-. He did not say, Let's get into the boat and And let's let a a storm come come about and let's fear and fret and wonder what's going to happen. No, he said, let's get to the boat and let's go to the other side. You know, when I read this parable or this story of Jesus sleeping in the boat while they were in the storm, as a child, I thought he was rude. I was like, how rude? I mean, everyone else is doing their job. Why are you sleeping? I mean, why are you slacking on the job? That was my thought as a child in my own immature ways. But when you understand the context, and when you understand what Jesus Jesus had already told them about, the word of God is a seed, he gave them the word, and Jesus was sleeping because he was not worried about the storm. He was at perfect peace. Isaiah 26 six first 3 says, He will keep a perfect peace, he whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusts in thee. When you can trust God and you trust his word, you can be like Jesus in the middle of a storm and be fast asleep while everyone else is going chaotic. I don't like about a lot of the stuff that's going on in our world right now uh, on many different levels. But I'm not fretting because I'm trusting God. I'm trusting His Word. I'm trusting Him. I'm trusting that seed that He's spoken to us, that He's given us, His written Word. Uh, I'm trying to grab my Bible here. His written Word. And so I trust him. And so I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. I don't like everything. <coughs> Excuse me. In some in some areas I will speak up about those things. And I will do my duty as a citizen of this country. But I'm not f- fretting over the things going on in the world. Jesus said many hearts will wax cold and in fear because of the things happening in the earth. I don't want my heart to wax cold. I want to be... And full assurance of faith. And so, anyway, there's some some more things I can piggyback on, but anything you want to share?
1: (coughs) No, that, I mean, Andrew brings out a great point. Jesus, as the Word became flesh, gave them a Word, and He didn't say, let's get in the boat because we're going to go out to, to the middle of the sea and a storm's going to come gonna come up and we're going to drown or almost drown. He, he didn't even do that. He basically spoke faith to them. And, you know, when we have that relationship with God and we get that word from Him, no matter what comes against us, you know, it's like, Jeremiah seventeen, which Dave spoke about this morning, and we, Dave and I have talked about uh, Jeremiah seventeen uh, verses five through eight many times. And you have the, the the two differences: you have the cursed man and the blessed man. The cursed man, what they go through, what they keep their mind constantly on, that they never see the good, even though it is coming to them, because they're so focused on 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 man on on what's going wrong on what's against them the blessed man it doesn't say is not going through all the bad things it just says that their focus is on God it's they're still going through the drought and the things that the cursed man is going on but they because they're so focused on God they're not seeing it because all they can see is The blessing and the fruit and the nourishment and the peace and the joy of being focused and dwelling on God and His Word. And when God gives us his, His Word, that trumps everything. It trumps sickness and lack and struggle and pain and anything that we can go through. God's Word trumps that. And we're, we never make light of what people are going through. Dave and I have gone through some horrible stuff. But, and it's not that we're sweeping it under the carpet. We just know that our Redeemer lives, that our Redeemer has our back, that we can trust him with anything and everything that concerns us.
0: Awesome, awesome. There's things I could piggyback on, both what Andrew's saying, Sherry's saying. Um, but I think we're just going to move forward. Never, ever your problem.
1: Look at how the disciples responded to this, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said unto him, "Master, carest thou not that we perish?" Mark four thirty eight. This was so typical, not only of these disciples but also of people today. You come into a problem, and the doctor tells you that you're going to die. The banker tells you that you're going to have something repossessed. Your spouse tells you that they're going to divorce you. Somebody tells you bad news, and all of a sudden, the depression starts. These storms come, and we go to the Lord saying, God, I thought you loved me. Why aren't you doing anything? Don't you care if I perish? We basically put it all off on God as if it's his fault. God's not the one who sent this storm. Religion has caused a lot of confusion in this area by teaching that God is sovereign, meaning he controls everything. They say God is the one who caused or allowed your sickness, poverty, divorce, or whatever. That's not true. God didn't cause this storm in Mark 4. The Lord doesn't control everything. Now, Jesus did have the power and authority to do something about this storm. He exercised that power by rebuking the wind and speaking to the sea. Peace, be still. The Lord has the power, but not every problem that comes into your life is God ordained. <coughs> he didn't make these problems. So for us to say, God, why did you let this happen is wrong in the first place. You're imputing iniquity and error unto the Lord, and you need to stop it. God is a good God. He's not the source of your problems. Don't go to God blaming him and saying, Why haven't you healed me? Or, Why did you let this person die? God is never, ever your problem. These disciples in the boat start saying, Lord, wake up. Don't you care that we perish? Get a bucket and bale. Row. Do something to help us. You aren't pulling your weight. If it wasn't for us, we would have already been sunk. You haven't done anything. Sounds very similar to what people are saying to the Lord today. Why haven't you healed me? I've prayed, I've done this, and yet you haven't done your part. Lord, don't you care about me? The truth is that Jesus has done his part. He gave the disciples that word it was then up to them to take that word and release the life that was in it through believing and speaking it out but they didn't do that
0: okay so i mean andrew just echoed some of the things i just said you know where uh where he said uh well how come jesus you're not doing your part pick up a bucket and and bail water you know contribute whatnot but uh he also talked about again you know now, uh, Jesus did not cause the storm. God did not cause the storm. And so we think that's the reason we, so many people believe today that God is the one that causes the problems in our life, to test us and whatnot. And God cannot do evil. I uh, forget the verse, but it's in Zephaniah, but God cannot do evil. God is not going to test us in that way. However, God did give us the faith. God has given us His word that we can do something about the storm. Jesus rebuked the waves. He rebuked the storm. And we can speak the word of God, and we can do something about it. We have that seed. We have the word of God. And we can deal with the situation. But God is not the source of our problems. God's not the, God was not the source of the storm. Okay? But he does give us something, something authority. This guy goes with our Wednesday night Bible study on believers' authority but he has given us authority to, to deal with it. At the same point in time, uh, 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 there's something else I had there, but I, I lost my train of thought. So do you have anything?
1: Well, to piggyback on what Dave said, he brought out the verse in Zephaniah 3, verse 5, The Lord is righteous in her midst. He will do no unrighteousness. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He never fails, but the unjust knows no shame and we we bring out this verse and there's others to back it up God cannot do unrighteousness he is a righteous and holy and good God he can't do bad and you know this uh, Andrew brings out how people are the religious community is confused in the area of God being sovereign Meaning he controls everything. And just just to piggyback on that, yes, God is sovereign as in he reigns. He is God. He is Lord. But he's not sovereign in the fact that he is not a puppet master controlling everything and everybody. He is a good God. And there are so many verses to back that up. He is righteous. He cannot do unrighteous. He. Oh. I. It's, it's one of my. Uh, things I'm very adamant about. In teaching about God's goodness. Because. Even back in the garden. When God created mankind. He created mankind with free will. He created mankind with choices. And I can. Take this time but I'm not going to because we're sticking to the Bible study but I but I can teach on the right in a sense sovereignty of God meaning God rules and reigns he is God he is Lord but he doesn't control I mean look at the, the, the kings and queens on the earth today look at I mean the Queen of England she is a very famous Queen she does not control her subjects, telling them what toothpaste to use, what to wear today, what to eat for breakfast. Um, if, if they don't do her will, then you know she's gonna take their children away or things like that. That's not how sovereignty is. Oh, I so wanna go off on tangents on this because it's such a big thing. I can get on my soapbox and, and, and preach A lot of people say God can do anything and everything
0: yes, no. yes
1: and no yes he can because he's God he's the creator but God cannot lie so he can't do everything he can't lie he he can't do unrighteousness as we, we read in Zephaniah there are things God just
0: cannot do. If I can piggyback on that, God cannot violate his own word. For example, if God told us to do something, he can't. he's not going to do it. Why? Because otherwise God's not going to be true to his word. And so there's something, God told us to go preach the gospel. God told us to go lay hands in the sick and to recover. God told us to go and do this and that. And God's not going to do the things that he told us to do. God's not going to violate his word. The Bible says that he honors his word above his own name. And so there's certain things that God cannot do. God cannot sin. God cannot bear false witness. God cannot cheat. God cannot do evil. Okay? And it's not that he won't do it. He cannot do it. He God can't not do certain things. And so, anyway, I'll go back to you.
1: That's right. I mean, even look at 2 Corinthians 5.21, which Dave and I talk about a lot and Dave teaches on. It said that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. God can't sin, yet Jesus took all of our sin on him. He knew no sin. I love what Dave brought out in his message today. Not only did Jesus not do sin, he did not know sin. Yet all of mankind's sin was dumped on Jesus. He willingly took it on himself so that we would be saved. But God can't sin. But he became sin for us so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, that is powerful. But, you know, when God gives us a word, I mean, he cannot go back on his word. He honors his word above his name. When God said, it is so, when he created in Genesis 1, when he said, let there be light, let there be uh, land, you know, all the different things. He can't go back on that. When he created the world and created gravity and the law of gravity, He can't just say, oh, no, I'm going to take it back. Uh, I'm going to just take it back so, so Dave doesn't have to worry about gravity. It doesn't work that way. He has established some things like preaching the gospel. He gave mankind, just read the four gospels. Jesus himself told his disciples to go out and preach the gospel. He did not... Give the gospel to angels. He didn't give it to his own father to do. Jesus mandated his disciples, all of us as believers, to go out and share the gospel and preach the gospel. They didn't give it. God didn't give the gospel to angels to preach. Uh, Oh, I so want to go off on tangents, but I'm trying to keep it to Andrew's lesson. This whole thing about, effortless change that the power being in the in the seed in us, planting the word of God in us so that it can take root and bear fruit and, and change our lives. You know, it it's amazing. God cannot go back on his word. There's even another verse that says, you know, he his word does not return void. It means it accomplished his word accomplishes what he set it out to do.
0: Hey! Right, awesome. There's good stuff. I mean, there's just so much, uh, you know, um, but God will honor his word. His word is enough. His word is a seed. Um, I know we've been highlighting what God cannot do, but we can't, there is so much that his word can do. His word is a seed and do not underestimate the power of a seed. Everything that we need is in the seed. Everything we need is for life and godliness is in the knowledge of him. Second Peter chapter one verses two through four. You know everything we need is in that seed. All, all healing that we need, excuse me, all healing that we need is in that seed. All provision that we need is in that seed. Everything we need in this life is in the seed of God's word. So.
1: Okay, let's get back to Rebuked.
0: Yes, that's the title of the section.
1: It's the same with us today. People are praying and asking God to heal them, saying, Oh, Lord, what's wrong? Don't you love me? Haven't you heard what the doctor said? Please, please heal me. We're going to the Lord as a beggar instead of as a son who has already received his inheritance. Instead of claiming what is rightfully ours, we're begging for what he could do but hasn't done. We think it's God's responsibility. It's His turn to fix this problem. When the truth is that God has done His part, He gave us the seeds of His word that will grow the solution to our problems. He's given us words that have excuse me, He's given words that have life in them. All you have to do is take that word, stand on it, and begin to release the life that is in that seed, the Word of God. These disciples typify where much of the body of Christ is today. They're whining, crying, and saying, Lord, don't you care about me? Why haven't you done this? Please touch me. They're begging, pleading, and doubting the goodness of God. These disciples were moaning and groaning, griping, and complaining. Look what Jesus did and said when they woke him. He rebuked the wind, spoke to peace to the sea, and then turned to them and asked, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Mark 4 40. Jesus didn't get up and say, guys, I'm sorry. I was tired and just trying to catch a few winks. It's my fault. I got you into this. I apologize for not getting up and taking care of it. No, he didn't say that. Jesus didn't placate them. He didn't just sit there and approve of their panic, griping and complaining. Instead, the Lord asked, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He was angry at their carnality and disappointed by their unbelief. By his words, you can see that he didn't approve of their powerlessness. It would be unjust of Jesus to be critical of these disciples if there was nothing that they could have done. If it was just a matter of them waking the Lord up and him solving the situation, then Jesus should have been apologetic, saying, Guys, I'm sorry that I wasn't already awakened there for you. But that's not the response he gave. Instead, Jesus basically rebuked them, saying, Why are you operating in fear? The The disciples may have responded, Well, most people would have said that we're about to drown. Why shouldn't we be operating in fear? If these disciples would have understood what Jesus had been teaching them all day long, They could have done something about this storm. Jesus had just given them ten parables about the kingdom of God. He had told them that the seed of God's word contains power and life. When Jesus said, let's go over to the other side, he gave them a seed. He gave them his word, a promise. If If they would have had any understanding at all, they could have taken that word and stood on it. They could have taken their authority and commanded the boat to go to the other side. They could have rebuked the wind and commanded the waves to stop. Jesus did not approve of their ineffectiveness. He rebuked them, saying, Guys, you ought to be doing better than this.
0: Yeah, there's so much here. And, you know, I was teaching a little bit this morning on reproof. You know, it says in Second Timothy three sixteen to 17 that all scriptures profitable for reproof or correction. We're training in righteousness, so that man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good one. <coughs> Excuse me, I just—I uh, think I preached too hard this morning, so I'm having a hard time talking tonight. But um, you know, we all need reproof from time to time. We all need correction and training in righteousness. Uh, all of us need that, and that's the only way we're going to mature. We're all learning. But the disciples were learning. They were disciples. They were disciplined learners. Okay? Uh, and so Jesus was also giving them some teaching lessons along the way. He didn't cause the storm, but he took the opportunity to teach them some things. <coughs> so after he rebuked the storm, he rebuked them. Why did you lack? Why did you not have faith? You know, right now I'm teaching on righteousness, and we're going to have a Christmas message on uh, the, uh, the Sunday right after... Christmas, and then my in the New Year I'm going to be teaching on uh, eternal redemption, and then after that, later in the year, around February-ish, uh, I'm going to be teaching on the hardness of heart, and I'm going to be using uh, one, some of these examples from Jesus walking on the water where Jesus, especially in Mark's version, where Jesus rebuked them for the hardness of heart, and it wasn't because the hardness of heart doesn't have to do so much with Being in sin, even though that can't, it can, a hardness of heart can lead in that direction. A hardness of heart is actually not believing God for the miraculous. A hardness of heart, your heart can be so hardened by the trials of life, by natural things, that you're not expecting God's word to perform, that you're not expecting the seed of God's word to perform, that you're not expecting the miraculous. Jesus had done many miracles in, in the presence of, of the disciples. mean, there have been many times that he, multiple times, where he had calmed the storms. This was not the only time. And so, you know, he asked why they doubted. doubting. And there's so many situations that we go through. And I believe in so many ways the Holy Spirit is echoing the same refrain. Why are you doubting? We get so many people asking for money. Why are you doubting? God is your source. I understand uh, where uh, we've been. We've been in financial situations. We've been places where we've lost our home before. We have a lot of revelation we have now. We've been in very tight situations at times, and, and some of those have been recently, and not, not in recent months, but in recent years, and but we've had to trust God. God is your source. If God can multiply Jesus can multiply one boy's lunch to feed the multitudes. Twice he did that. He can do the same thing for you to feed your orphanage, to feed your village, to feed your family, to take care of your needs. God is just, or God can do, God's not gonna, i sure, give the example of gravity. God's not gonna reverse, get gravity for all mankind. But God can do a miracle. For example, we have in the book of Kings, I think in Second Kings chapter 6, we have the accent of <coughs> the guy who lost the accent. And the accent floated underwater. the water. That's defying gravity. Okay? That was a miracle. God can do miracles. And God, we serve a miraculous God. And we... <coughs> Excuse me. Bear with me as I'm just... My throat's dry from preaching this morning and whatnot. But... We can, God's word is the seed, and we can believe God's word, and we can believe God's word for the miraculous if we need to. To change our situation, to change our circumstance, to change our country, and to change our world, we can believe in God for the miraculous. Okay? And so, don't limit God, don't limit His word. Don't limit, let His word. Take root as a seed in your heart. And when your back is like Moses, your back is against the Red Sea. Pharaoh's armies is charging at you. And you have the mountains on every side. Believe God. And if God has to part the Red Sea so that you go on dry ground, so be it. Don't limit God. Have faith in God. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from the word of God. The seed. God's word is a seed. Faith comes from the seed of God's word. And that faith, when it's born, can cause you to move mountains. Can cause you to do miraculous things in the name of Jesus. Okay, don't limit God. You
1: know, I- Abraham is considered the father of our faith. He was giving, he was giving. Given by God the promise of the seed and to bear a son um, and you know even in, in, in Romans and I'll just read Romans 5 I'll go ahead and read verse 19 I'll, I'll go ahead and read verse 19 through 25 And and, uh, Paul is talking about Abraham. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, God was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses, and was raised because of our justification. I'm bringing out Abraham because Abraham was given a word from God. And God said, You will have a seed, you will have a son and the whole earth will be blessed through you and abraham uh in, in the natural what, there was nothing he was old sarah's womb was dead i mean there was no way in the natural yet he believed god because god had given him a word and it was you know when you compare it to what happened with the disciples in the boat jesus gave them a word They followed it, I mean they got in the boat, they they went to the other side, granted in the middle there was the storm and and they thought they were going to die, but if you can compare that with what happened with Abraham, Abraham was given a word and granted the disciples, let's say it was within hours of a time span. Of this whole thing I don't know how I've never been to Galilee I don't know how long it takes to cross the sea even in the best of weather but it was basically hours compared to Abraham going years of when he was first given the word from God to when Isaac was born and yet it said uh, he did not consider that he his faith he only considered the promise of God God's word to him and so yes, there was correction to the disciples because Jesus had given them a word and we can take God's word and we can bank on it. We can hold fast to it because God just don't go back on his word. And yes, it's a teaching moment. Does anybody like to be corrected or rebuked? No, I'm the queen of not liking to be corrected. I hate it with a passion. I feel bad. I usually go in my corner and cry and have a pity party. Even if I'm in the wrong, I just in my flesh, I do not like being corrected. And yet as I've been listening to Dave teach on righteousness and hearing in Timothy, uh, the verse that, that Dave quoted in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 about uh, it, it's for our correction in righteousness. I mean, there's, I'm not quoting the verse word for word, but it's not a correction as in to get on somebody. It's to help them. You know, Dave spoke on uh, on Paul saying that he wants to help perfect what is lacking in our faith. It wasn't a put down of Paul to say that. He wasn't getting on the church for their lack of faith. He was helping them. He was even correcting them in... Um, Where's that
0: verse? Uh, I sorry. want to say First
1: Thessalonians 3.10. Yeah, I, I believe that's right. I, I wrote it down, but I don't have my notebook with me. Paul wasn't getting on the church saying, you're a bad church, you're, you have horrible faith, your faith is wrong, it's not perfect. No, he was commending them, and he's saying, hey, I'm praying for you. I am here to help you perfect what is lacking in your faith, and Dave actually explained what that perfecting means with the definition Um, and it's a good thing and you know I want someone to come alongside me and say hey I can help you you know a lot of David eyes when we when we're teaching in Bible studies and we and we might sound like we're rebuking or getting on someone we are doing it with a love and a compassion for you because most of the time we have been there We have fallen. We have stumbled on our face. We have messed up. Our faith hasn't been perfect. We don't want you to go through what we went through. We don't want you to go through the long struggle for us to finally get to the other side of this sea because of the the storm that maybe we created or whatever it might be. We want to help you so you don't have to go through that. And Jesus is is basically, in a sense, echoing what Paul is saying Hey, I, this is what I told you to do, but you know what? I want to strengthen you. I want to help you in your faith. I want you to see that what I told you was true. I have given you authority. I have told you to go and preach the gospel and cast out demons and heal the sick, rebuke the storm. You do have an authority as a believer. You know, why do you, why didn't you use it? And the, the nice thing about it's being Jesus Jesus is doing it with all love and compassion and mercy, even if he's rebuking you. Uh, people, the rest of us on the other hand, we might not sound so nice, but Jesus' heart is to, to help us to say, hey I, I'm, you might be thrown in the deep end of life sometimes and I want you to overcome. I'm giving you the tools, I'm equipping you, I'm I'm helping you to, to be able to go and, and conquer. He, he wasn't at the disciples he he wasn't getting on them for being stupid or whatever uh the words might be he 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 was it was a teaching moment and he was helping them
0: you know no good athlete has ever been a good athlete without a strong strict coach who's gonna work them hard there's gonna be a lot of reproof along the way a lot of correction along the way that is it's a good thing when it's done, love. When it's done and right, it is a healthy thing. It's not healthy just to keep your mouth shut and not help and not say anything. That is actually cool. It may sound nice. It might be easier to swallow, but really, you actually do more harm than good uh, when you when you do that. So, uh, in some situations. So anyway, let's go ahead and finish out the book. We're almost at the tail end, and this is not not enough for one more lesson. So let's go ahead and read it out.
1: Brothers and sisters, we ought to be doing better than this. The body of Christ is going to God, crying, asking for help, and wondering why he isn't releasing his power. They're saying, God, what's wrong with you? So they organize another 100,000 people to intercede in order to force God to twist his arm a little more and to put additional pressure on him until they make him send revival, heal this person, or whatever. That's an offense to the Lord. Praying, oh God, please pour out your spirit. Oh God, have mercy on our country. Please don't judge us. is an offense against God. The Lord has already poured out his spirit and had mercy on our country. In fact, God has already had mercy on the entire world because he put that judgment on his son at the cross. Amen. Jesus already paid the price in full. The only reason we don't have red-hot revival flowing in the land isn't because God hasn't poured out His Spirit. It's because His people aren't doing what He told them to do. They're asking God to do what He told us to do. He told us to go preach the gospel and teach His Word. Mark 16, 15, Matthew 28, 18-20 He told us to go heal the sick. He told us to advance his kingdom upon the earth, Luke 19, 13. Jesus gave us these words. The life is in the seed, and we aren't planting the seed. We don't don't want to take time to plant the seed in our heart, keeping it there and meditating on it so the Word can take root, mature, and bear fruit. That's work. God isn't asleep. We are. The body of Christ isn't doing what he told us to do. We're asking Him to do it. It's not going to work that way. Do you want to see the power of God? Do you want to see change manifest in your life? God has spoken His Word. He has released His life and power by His words. Every word that comes from God is a faith-filled word and has the power in it to change everything. When the Lord comes back at the end times, Revelation 19.15 says that there will be a sharp two-edged sword come out of his mouth with which he'll strike the nations. I don't believe that's describing a physical sword, but rather represents the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. God is going to speak words out of his mouth, and those words will have much life in them. The word of God will be the greatest display of power in the history of the universe And He's given it to us. The Lord will destroy His enemies and set everything straight by His Word. We have that same Word right now. You don't need a tree to just drop it out of the sky. What you need is to take the seed that God has given you, plant it, and give it some time. You can grow any tree that you want. You don't need a miracle to just fall out of the sky. What you need is to take the Word of God... Plant that seed in your heart and let it grow. Then the supernatural life and miraculous power of God will come right up out of the midst of you. I believe the seeds of God's word that I've sown in you through this book will not be choked out, but will produce up to a hundredfold. Amen. So be it.
0: There's so many nuggets in here. I don't know how I have enough time to to capitalize on all of them, but one of the ones, I just want to reread this one paragraph. It says, <coughs> and just speaking to the author of this book, he says, do you want to see the power of God? Do you want to see change manifest in your life? God has already, past tense, spoken his word. He has released his life and power by his words. Every word that comes from God is a faith-filled word and has power in it to change everything. This word is a seed. And this word can change your life, can change your situation, can change your finances, can change your health, can change many aspects in your life. God has released his word in your life. He goes on to say, you don't need a tree to just jump out of the sky. What you need to do is take the seed that God has given you, plant it, and and give it some time. <coughs> Excuse me. You can grow any tree that you want. You don't need a miracle to fall out of the sky. What you need to do is take the Word of God, plant that seed in your heart, and let it grow. Then the supernatural life and miraculous power of God will come right up out of the midst of you. I believe the seeds of God's word that I've sown in you through this book, the author speaking, will not be choked up, but will produce a hundredfold. Folks, God's word is a sea. God's word is true. It says in Corinthians that every promise, um, I'm sorry, um, I'm mm-hmm. quoting right now, Corinthians. Uh, yes, yes and amen. Uh, sorry, I, I just drew a blank. I'm I'm actually really tired right now. I don't know why. Uh, it has been a busy week and weekend. But uh, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us or by us, depending on which translation you read. All the promises of God are yes. All the promises of God are Amen. We either believe it or we don't. We either have faith in God's word or we have faith in our problems. Do you <coughs> I've got three prayer requests right now tonight. Will you pray for me and my family, and my needs? I don't know the situation. Maybe it's just a general blessing you want, or maybe you have a, a dire need. I'll pray with you, I give you some scriptures, have Paul praying for you and praying for us. But I'm not your source, God yes. is. I believe in coming in agreement with prayer, and I believe in the power of prayer. But what I'm going to believe is what God—that God—that we would believe God's word. What I am going to pray is that we would take God's word and we would believe it and we would act on it. Lay hands on the sick. Feed the multitudes. You know, in both circumstances when Jesus fed the multitudes, both times. He told his disciples to do it. He told them to feed the multitudes, and I believe Jesus is telling us to feed the multitudes. The disciples asked, said the same response you and I. Respond, I don't have money. We don't even have enough money. We don't even have enough money to go to the supermarket to go feed all these people. <coughs> Jesus was not dependent on the supermarket. Jesus was not dependent on the pocketbook. Jesus was dependent on, there was a need. And Je, you'll find many times that Jesus met the needs by his compassion. He had compassion on the people. He healed everybody. He met every need. Jesus told the disciples to feed the multitudes. And I believe if Jesus was walking on the earth today in your village, in your community, he would say, you feed the people. And Jesus is here. He's the living word. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is on the inside of you. Paul said it this way, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave me himself for me. You can feed the multitudes. You can change your village, your community, by the power of God's word. I'm not just talking about giving spiritual food, even though that's more important than natural food. But God's word will change. Jesus said, why are you worried about what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear? Doesn't your Heavenly Father know that you need these things? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you need, he will add it to you. He will give it to you. Do we believe God's word or we don't? Take the you know we were ministering in Costa Rica a few years ago and this gentleman he wanted to feed his little village from what we saw he was poor too but he had a, he had a passion to feed his whole community and so he had this huge huge pot I mean it was huge it was about the size of a man I mean it was just huge it wasn't that tall as a man but it was it was Pretty wide, and he filled it with water. And he didn't have any vegetables even put in the soup, but he wanted to make soup for the village. And as he began to pray, thanking God, he gave thanks just like Jesus did with the lo- loaves and the, fi- lo- the bread loaves and the fish. And as he was stirring that bowl of soup with no vegetables in it yet, just water. Vegetables began to appear miraculously in that water. And he was able to feed the whole village. God can do miraculous. God can take what you have. So many times. God has asked, what do you have? The widow with the oil. Samson with the jawbone. Uh, I'm trying to think of more. You know, um, Moses and his staff. The boys lunched twice. You know, even Peter cast her net on the other side of the boat. He even he at least he had a net. He had a boat. Okay. And I can go on and on as many more examples I know. You know, Elijah, he said goes to the place called Bear and the ravens came and fed him and met his needs. Folks, we are not dependent on the natural. You're not dependent on the your government's economy. You are not dependent on uh, society. You are not dependent on your own pocketbook. You're not even dependent on your own failures. Maybe you're in a situation because you just did some foolish things that got you where you are. But God can change your circumstance even if you made a fool or a fool. We need to trust God and trust his word and change our circumstance and change our world for Jesus Christ. We have the ability. If you have the word of God, you have enough to change your circumstance. I don't care how complex. I don't care how dead it is. Even if it's dead, the word of God tells you you can raise the dead. There's nothing impossible for those who believe is worth nothing. Maybe it's never been done before. Well, you can be the first one to do it. By the power of God's word, nothing is
1: impossible. You know, when you when you really think about just <coughs> the idea <coughs> and the subject of God's word, how powerful it is, how alive it is. I mean, we we have the Bible, the written word of God, to commit to our hearts to read it, to to believe it. We have the spoken words of Jesus to his disciples. We have, you know, John 1 talking about Jesus was the word became flesh. Uh, Wow. Jesus saved all of humanity, the whole world, by... The word becoming flesh by going to the cross for us god's word is so amazing and so powerful and so alive and when you think of just creation alone by god speaking and just from the words out of his mouth creation happened uh light came into being uh mankind was formed out of dust you know all the the living creation, the, the birds, the, the insects, the, the fish in the sea, all the animals, all the insects were created just out of the words from God's mouth, oxygen, everything we need to live and survive on this planet, land, water, everything in creation that was formed came from the words from God's mouth. His word is amazing. All we need to do is believe it. You know, receive God's word, believe it. If He says go do something, why should we de? Why should we doubt the Creator of the world, who by His own words formed creation? It is just. I mean. I, I, Dave. Dave likes to say he's preached himself happy when he, you know, he preaches a a, a message and it encourages him. I'm just encouraged by talking about how the Word of God is alive and powerful and and full of life. It's just, it's just incredible. And and we pray and echo Andrew's prayer that this Bible study that this teaching uh, will bear fruit in your life and and. God's Word will take root in your life and, and do what it's accomplished, what it's set out to accomplish. And I, and I know we're basically at the end of the Bible study time, but I wanted to, to read and echo Andrew at the end of his, his book. Receiving Jesus as your Savior, if you, if you haven't received Him yet, Andrew says, choosing to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the most important decision you'll ever make. God's word promises that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, Romans 10, 9-10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. By his grace, God has already done everything to provide salvation. Your part is simply to believe and receive. Pray out loud, Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. By faith in your word, I receive salvation now. Thank you for saving me. The very moment you commit your life to Jesus Christ, the truth of His Word instantly comes to pass in your spirit. Now that you're born again, there's a brand new you.
0: Well, that actually can only conclude our night Bible study, but it actually concludes the book. We just finished this book. And so, and so you're like, okay, what's next? Well, that's a good question. We haven't really decided what we're going to do next uh, for next Sunday we have talked about so this might happen we may be moving our wednesday night bible study to our sunday night and not have wednesday night bible study just for a little while uh we're, we're we're both busy with our jobs and so during the week it's actually been harder as some of you may have noticed we've been missing some bible studies uh just because we just so, uh, in some ways burning the candle on both ends and so we just kind of need a breather and so that may be what we do. We have some other ideas that we've been uh, thinking about. We're also, in January, going to be starting a brand new uh, Bible Academy. That's our plan. We're a little behind uh, on, on preparing for it because we've been so busy with our jobs. But at the same point in time, uh, we plan on doing that. And that means we would be teaching four times during the week uh, if we do what we plan on doing. And then, uh, then we would also have uh, our Sunday morning and Sunday Excuse me, night Bible study. So, if we did all that, we were teaching six or seven times a week as is. So, so anyway, that's our thought. We will be announcing it on Wednesday night, if not Sunday, what our plan is for Sunday night. So, we will do something. We're just not sure exactly how we're going to play that out. We could just uh, do Wednesday night instead of Sunday night, but actually, it's easier for us, I think, if we do Sunday night versus uh, Wednesday night. So, I just don't know if we can continue doing both. Uh, with everything we're planning on in the new year, plus with our schedule, So, anyway, we're going to pray about it uh, still, and we will make a decision uh, soon before next Sunday. We'll have to decide what we're going to do. So, okay. Well, anyway.
1: And, and uh, if you have any, I know some of you have done have this, reached out for prayer or questions re- regarding the Bible studies. You know, please reach out. Our website is lighthousediscipleship.org. And, you know, we we ended with uh, asking if anyone, you know, I read uh, Andrew's thing on asking if anyone would like to receive uh, Jesus as Lord. And if you have done so and you have more questions or wish to be discipled, again, please reach out via our website. And we'd be happy to help and walk you through um, salvation and any questions you might have um, to, to go with that.
0: All right, well you guys have a great week. Hopefully we'll see you Wednesday and I will see you next Sunday. All right. God bless you guys.